right, everybody. So we have Jeff Alberts with us today. He's an esteemed coach with 3D Muscle Journey, and he's had a very competitive career in bodybuilding, having, I think, two pro cards now and highly placing in over 20 different competitions. So welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And um, for today's charity, Jeff's wife actually works with autistic children, and so we wanted to make the donation towards either an autistic center or the school that she works with. And so I want to make sure I got the name right. So it's the Preschool Assessment Autism Center, Stockton Unified School District. Um, and so I think that's a great cause. And so we'll find a way to make sure we can get a donation out to them. That'd be greatly appreciated. It's awesome. <laughs> and uh, so I just want to get a little bit of background on you. I think most people watching this you know, know who you are. Um, but I'd like to see a little bit more of the backstory. And so how did the Jeff Albert story start with bodybuilding? Oh, my goodness, man. It goes way, way back. Yeah. So I started training when I was 14 years old um, back in 1986 in middle school. Um, you know, in, in the PE class, we had that old silver universal machine. So yeah. I started on that, actually. And I was decently strong in comparison to the other kids. So mm -hmm. it was kind of like, ooh, look how strong Jeff is. That was kind of, yeah. you know, kind of cool. So I kind of gravitated towards that. And um, I was having a little bit of difficulty as a as a kid, you know, at home with my mom and my stepdad. So there's some little bit of issues there. So mm -hmm. I kind of gravitated towards weight training um, to kind of get away from some, some life stuff. So I had like one of those old cheap plastic weight sets that you know back in the day i had that in yeah. my bedroom so i kind of just you know after school just get in there and start lifting and um i kind of never looked back like i've just been lifting ever since and i think probably the longest gap i've had maybe is like maybe six months or so yeah. um over the last 33 years of training so it's been wow. really consistent the whole way through Awesome. And I think there's kind of a misconception with you, you know, you being one of the older members of 3DMJ and you kind of preach, you know, taking your time and the longevity aspect. And I think people think that you, that's how you always were. Um, but my understanding is for a while you were going very hard and heavy almost all the time. Is that right? Well, don't get, don't get me wrong. I, I still go heavy now. It's just a yeah. lot more control. You could say I'm more of a mature lifter now. But, yeah, back in the day, I mean, I would get after it. Mm -hmm. Um, like I was a, a big uh, disciple of um, Mike Mincer's hit Dorian Yates, you know, hit training, and so I was taking sets to failure and just, you know, really going um, kind of crazy, you would say, yeah. in the gym. But I mean, always maintain good form and things like that. So I avoided a lot of injuries because of that, and I also uh, knew it was really important to have recovery on my side as well. So I was training hard, but at the same time, I was kind of being somewhat intelligent about it. Mm -hmm. Would you say it's fair to say that? Because I, I notice a lot of times with the more mature lifters, they will have a different approach now. And I don't think this is necessarily the case for you, but they, they might kind of negate what they did in the past and act like it didn't help at all. Um, but it seems like at least for you, even though it maybe isn't what you recommend now, that still had a you know big role in how fast you developed at that age. Oh, yeah. I mean, without that work ethic, that drive, like, you know, it's – I definitely think it helped out quite a bit as far as development. Um, and I still use some of this, this stuff I was using, you know, when I was younger to this day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, still maintaining good form, training with intensity, um, you know, going to failure when I need to. Um, yeah. So there's, yeah, there's other tools, too, that I, that I still have in my arsenal that, you know, quote, unquote, people would say, like, ah, that's kind of taboo now. But, yeah. I mean, it still works, so why not, you know, why stop? 
right? Was it an adaptation that you had to make with age or due to injuries that you changed from the, you know, more hit style to more controlled approach that you have Actually, now? Actually, it was, it was neither of those really. Like I was pretty healthy, uh, when I transitioned away from that. I was in my late thirties and I just remember, uh, that's when I met with Eric Helms and, mm. and Alberto Nunez and Brad Loomis, you know, they're like, Hey Jeff, you know, Hey, you know, that's cool and all what you're doing, but hey, there's this other stuff here that can work as well. And I was like, yeah. you know, I was kind of built in my ways or set in my ways. Like it was just like, ah, no, this this is what's worked for me for so long. I don't need to do anything different. Um, so it took a lot of um, their persuasion to kind of get me to open up my mind. Um, and that's when I finally started to try some of these things that they were talking about, like adding a little more volume, mm-hmm. not going so intense in my training. And, um, you know, with some good trial and error over the next you know, couple of years of utilizing some of the things that we're saying, I was like, Oh shit, I actually improved quite a bit. Yeah. And in my mind, I remember telling them like, cause I went, I met them in my late thirties. I'm like, you know, I've been training for like 25 years now. There's no way I'm going to make any more improvements. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting older and they're just like, dude, that's hogwash. So in two long story short, two years later, I got back on stage 10 pounds heavier and just right. as lean than I did the two years prior. Um, so that kind of really enlightened me um, to like, okay, I need to be very open with uh, other ways of doing things. Gotcha. And just to clarify for everybody, that 10 pounds probably wasn't a 10 pounds of muscle that you added in the off season. It was probably a better approach to dieting and, you know, yeah, more conserving yeah. more muscle. Exactly. I'd say probably the majority of it was like dieting better. Mm-hmm. Again, adding more volume. Um you know, diet, like I said, dieting better. I was eating more. Um, but also not just in retaining muscle, but I do think, um, probably just, you know, I probably did add a little bit of new tissue in the off season, but I would say the bulk of that was definitely muscle retainment. Gotcha. So those new methods, they weren't just methods to prevent you from getting injured. You actually did find you were still able to progress and make new gains after 25 years with their approach. Oh yeah. I was definitely making, pretty good gains, especially like in the off season where at, at the age of 40, I was hitting PRs on big lifts, like squat, yeah. deadlift, not so much bench press, um, but like overhead pressing, like mm-hmm. those three main lifts kind of took off and it was like, okay, this makes sense. Okay. Maybe I don't need to train to failure like every set and bust my right. ass every, every session, but actually being a little more strategic as far as, um, how to go about my, um, my intensity levels. And with those with those PRs, you never had any interest in doing powerlifting at all. No, man. I think <laughs> I got like maybe one little moment where I was like, ah, maybe. And yeah. I remember Brad for my birthday, he got me a, a singlet, oh, and really? I looked at the singlet. And I'm like, there ain't no way in hell I'm putting this thing on. <laughs> so <laughs> I think some of the powerlifters who see the bodybuilders in their trunks might find that an ironic. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I just never gravitated towards the powerlifting. Like I do the lifts, but I just mm-hmm. I, I don't see the point for me anyways getting on a platform. I'm like I do these lifts in the gym anyway, so Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh now if I recall, you while you did try adding volume and maybe more than you used to do, there was a phase where the other guys were telling you to add more volume and it didn't necessarily work as well and you had to cut it back, right? Yeah, I've experimented with doing more than what I was accustomed to doing. And what I've found probably over the last few years now is that I know where my thresholds are now. Um, and when I venture too high up in there, then I start to get banged up. 
which is common sense, right? You do too much. Right. I mean, you, and you can't recover from it. You're going to start getting banged up. Um, so I've kind of learned that, okay, for me, like adding volume is like, maybe it's just one set, you know, yeah. from three to four sets. Um, right. and that four set doesn't necessarily need to be super high intense. I can leave a couple reps in the tank. I'm like, okay, those are effective reps. I can leave it there. Um, but yeah, I would say like most people when they look at my training, like, man, that guy hardly does anything. Right. Uh, but it's relative. Like what Alberto Nunez does, for example, would basically kill me. Uh, right. and what, if he did what I, he would never grow if he did my, my volume. Yeah. So it's all relative. It's very individual. Um, yeah. Just looking at your volume when you, you've laid it out in some of your videos and it does seem, like you said, fairly low, uh, at least relative to what a lot of other people are doing, but you know, nowadays there's so much talk about volume being the primary driver. And I think that is what the studies show. But, you know, I would like to hear your opinion on this. I have a feeling that if you were to have done a ton of high volume, you wouldn't necessarily be any further. You know, we talk about adding volume with training age. But, I mean, do you think you'd really be any further along if you had done higher volume throughout your career? It's a great question. I think, I, I mean, it's always 2020 and you look in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, I probably could have got where I am now, maybe five years, ten years sooner, um, yeah. if I did everything correctly from the start. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say that, okay, volume was, like, quote, unquote, the, the reason, the reason, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. think about it. If I, Like, they say, okay, you need to increase volume over your training career. Like, 33 years of training now. Like, how much right. volume do you think someone's going to do? Right, right. You know, 33 years later, okay, if I add a set every year, that's 33 sets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not realistic. Yeah, like sure. You're, you're only going to be able to tolerate so much. There's a ceiling to everything in life, mm-hmm. um, including training. So for me, I found, okay, most of the time, my sweet spots on, on any given exercise, it's going to be anywhere between three to five. Now, if I'm doing five on every single exercise, yeah, I'm not going to be able to walk tomorrow. Right. Um, so it's like I know how to pick and choose my spots, and I think that's kind of what I've gotten really good at over the years is kind of knowing myself and what I can handle and what I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I like that you said about, you know, maybe it could have been five years earlier, but you still are, are there because my opinion is that, you know, even if you have, you know, a routine that's 90% optimal instead of 100% optimal, if you're doing things consistently – it's not that that perfect routine is necessarily going to get you bigger than you otherwise would have been. It might just get you there a little faster. But as long as you have a good, solid routine, the consistency is what's going to get you to your ultimate, you know, whatever your genetic limit is. It's true. What you think about, too, is like if, let's say, I was doing a lot more volume early on, then the question would be, okay, would I have been able to tolerate it, like, connective tissue-wise? So, right. you know, maybe I would have been a lot more banged up, and maybe I wouldn't have made it to year 33. Right. So that's another aspect to look at. Like, like especially now, everybody's wanting to do more and more and more, mm-hmm. but you have to realize that, uh, you know, you, you have to recover from it. And sure. if, if you're constantly, chronically not recovered, then, yeah, you might be thinking, I'm going faster because I'm doing more, but you might be even going slower Yeah. because you're doing too much. Keep breaking yourself. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that we hear about all the time, you know, aches and pains. Like, in my opinion, the thing that derails progress more than anything is aches and pains, not not having, let's say, that most optimal program. Sure, sure. And, I mean, and you've mentioned even though now 33 years, most of your progress in terms of sheer muscle mass was probably, I think you said, in the like maybe first 10 years or so, right? I'll say, yeah, probably, like, 
Well, yeah, if I would have did things correctly, I probably would have tamed it all in the first 10 years, probably okay. more than likely. That's kind of what I was going to ask is if somebody did have an ideal routine and set up and they were maybe following you guys, I, I think some people think, you know, if they're really just getting started into this, I'll just keep making gains for 20 years. But I think most of the progress is really going to happen in that first five to seven, maybe five to 10 years in terms of sheer muscle mass. Yeah, but I do think that you can continue progressing past that. Um, mm. I think I'm a testament to that. Like, it might right. not be as fast as it was like early on, but you still can progress. So people listening to this, especially that are natural, um, mm. they're going to think like, oh, shit, you mean so after year 10, then what? What do I right. do? Like, I might as well just stop training. So, but no, you can still keep progressing. It's just not going to be like lightning fast. Mm-hmm. And that's where your for me personally anyways, the love of your training should be um, more important than, let's say, the love of progress. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're, you know, you're going to be frustrated. So, yeah, I, I was going to say, I just talked with Eric about that, and we were saying how, because after a while, you're not going to be progressing in terms of weekly or maybe even monthly or, you know, visible changes. And so mm-hmm. if, if you're just about the progress, you're going to probably drop out. Yeah, yeah. So for me personally, I head into a training session, like, okay, let me see if I can – Maybe get a little more weight on the bar here. Maybe it's a, it's a rep. Maybe it's like, okay, you know what? Let me improve form because um, mm-hmm. that's a big component too. You sure. know, if, you're, if your form is sloppy, then you put yourself at risk for injuries and things like that. So that for me is like a high priority. Um, so I'll record, my, I'll record a lot of my sets and I'll kind of mm-hmm. just watch them back while I'm training in between my sets to see, okay, is form where it needs to be? And I can always, you know, continually correct that. So... Um, I think making those little small, like micro goals like that is pretty important when you're training, um, regardless if you're in year one or year 30 or whatever. Um, sure. So. so what changes have you seen between the 10 and the 30 year? Because, I mean, you have put on size, and I think your pictures are pretty evident of that. But there's a different look to you, too, I guess, if you want to call it muscle maturity or whatever. Like, what have you seen in yourself? It's the tilapia, man. It thins the skin. Of course, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, but no, it's like the, you just have like a, well, you learn how to diet better. So you learn when you prep, you know, you get better and better at it. You get leaner and leaner. Um, and then when you have, you know, if you have someone who's trained maybe two years, they get super shredded. But you have mm-hmm. someone who's trained maybe 10 years who gets shredded. Um, the guy that's been training 10 years is going to have like a different look. He's going to yeah. have more of a, a mature look to his physique. So that's kind of like what I've been seeing. Like every time I have a successful season, it's just like, okay, body weight's staying roughly the same, but I'm looking a little bit leaner, a little bit denser. Um, and it's hard to describe if that's actually real muscle gain or not. Um, yeah. It's just a different look. Yeah, I don't know if there's a, a perfect answer to this, but do you think when we, people are talking about muscle maturity, that comes strictly from the years of doing it or – the age itself. So, for instance, if somebody was 50 and they've been training since 40, you know, are they going to have a similar look to somebody who started at 30 and is now 50? Like, I think part of it is the age. Like you mentioned, like, the skin does kind of thin a little bit with age. It does, um, yeah. Yeah, but or do you think a lot of it is actually those 20 years, 30 years in the gym changing something on the muscular level? You know what's crazy is I used to think like, oh, okay, I have a, I have the benefit here because I'm older and I've been training a long time, and so I'm gonna be I'm gonna look harder than the younger guys. Yeah. But now I think with what we're seeing the last few years with this conditioning standard in natural bodybuilding, you're seeing a lot of younger guys look more mature. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just because, you know, there's more uh, knowledge out there on how to diet down. Um, the big component is, I think, in general, um, athletes are dieting longer now. So yep. they're getting in better condition. Um, so I don't know if I would say, I would say that gap's kind of closing now as far really? as like, yeah, that's my opinion. Um, I don't have any scientific evidence to back that up. That's just kind of <laughs> what I've, I've seen. Sure. Um, but I would still put all my money on the guy that's been training 20 years versus the guy that's been training, let's say five and their equal conditioning level. I would almost guarantee the guy that's 20 and worked out if, if genetics were matched, of course. Right, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, if, if all the scenarios are kind of matched up, I would say, yeah, you're going to have, you're going to, the guy that's been training longer is probably going to look more mature. Sure. And then when you're working with some of those athletes who have been training longer, do you find there's a trend of having to make certain adjustments to exercises or maybe even eliminating entire exercises or you kind of still sticking with the same general approach for different ages? Well, the beauty of it is if you have someone who's been training for 20 years, they know their body more than I know their body. So often as a coach, I mean, I'll set up a structure, but there is plenty of flexibility within that. So they can use their experience to make these calls. So they know which exercises feels better than other ones for themselves. So it would be kind of not very smart on my part to say, hey, man, I need you to do deadlifts because these are more optimal than, let's mm-hmm. say, another lift. And they're like, no, this deadlifts are terrible. I, I don't, they feel, just feel terrible. So I'm going to let them, you know, make those judgment calls um, within, you know, the confines of the structure that I set up. Um, whereas someone who's a little bit younger, maybe they're not as experienced, it's going to be a little more rigid. I'm going to have a little more control over their training mm-hmm. because they don't really know. So, right. And over time, that's what I've realized with myself and with athletes I've coached, like over time, that flexibility becomes more and more important. Um, sure. Not just because of progress, from a progress standpoint, but from a enjoyability standpoint, a sustainability standpoint. Um, so those things are important. And I think if it's if things become overly rigid, then it can become burdensome on some people. Sure. Um, I know for me now, even if I had, let's say, Eric Helms create the programming for me, yeah. um, you know, if he just made it really rigid, I'm going to say, there ain't no way in hell I'm doing this, Eric. Sorry. Um, <laughs> just because I, you're, what it's doing is taking away from 33 years of experience. Now, if he sets something up with plenty of flexibility within, hey, Jeff, choose your exercises. Um, here's your rep range, you know, here's mm-hmm. the set, set range um, so I can make those judgment calls in a given session um, with his structure that that would probably work well. Gotcha. Cool. And are you doing anything specifically different for, so you're, you just started a diet, right? But are you, you've got a, a competition coming up? Like, is this an actual prep? Uh, this is, we're, yeah, we're starting prep. I started last week. Um as far as the shows, I don't know which ones yet. Next year, okay. the the plan is to get on stage with Eric at some point next year. Okay. Cool. Um, the last time we stepped on stage together was back in 2009, so it'll be 10 wow. years. Wow. So that's kind of for me right now is like the the biggest motivator. Yeah. Um, it's not that's so cool. much hey Jeff, let's try to win or anything like. That. It'd be great if I win, of course, mm-hmm. but it's more about hey, I want to get back on stage with Eric. I mean, that's, that's just awesome. memories you get to take home. No uh, Brad or Alberto for that one? I don't think so. Yeah, Alberto's kind of – he competed last year, so I'm pretty sure he's going to take a break. And then Brad, we got to just kind of throw these little tidbits in Brad's ear to get him back on the bodybuilding stage. Yeah. (laughs) So are you doing anything different this time around? Um, Not yet. 
Not yeah, it's pretty much the same. Um, I'm just kind of starting slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just kind of reduced some calories down last week. Um, shaved about 500 off from kind of where I was at in the off season. Um, threw in a few through a few cardio sessions. Nothing crazy. Light intensity. Um, I sit in this desk all day, so I have a very low step count. So for right. me to do some you know list cardio, it's actually pretty beneficial. Mm-hmm. Gets me out of my chair. Keeps me mobile too. Um, but yeah, we're just going to take it slow. Um, I need to lose another close to 30 pounds. Oh, okay. So we're a ways away. So I'm thinking maybe summer, fall next year. Okay, cool. And, you know, you and I both got started with this very early. And a lot of the people we know in this field have started really early. But for somebody who's not even getting into it until 35 or 40 plus, how would the approach for them getting into it be different than somebody who comes to you when they're still in college or something like that? I don't necessarily think it needs to be totally different, especially if they're pretty new. I think even though they're middle-aged, they're still probably going to make progress regardless of how you program them. I think it should just be very, very simplistic, very structured. Um, that would kind of be, like, no different for me as far as, right. like, someone who's new or, or middle-aged. Of course, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, they know how to lift. That's the priority. Right. Um, you don't want to give them a bunch of exercises that are maybe higher risk without really – them knowing how to do them, so. Right. But, yeah. Okay, cool. And um, I like to kind of talk about an actionable step for people who are watching the interviews. So if somebody's coming to you and they've been lifting, but they really want to take it to the next level, kind of like you did, um, and, again, around, let's say, 35, 40 years old, been lifting for a while, and they say, I want to either compete or I want to get everything I can out of this, what is the first thing that you'll have them take from this and try to look into to further their progress? It would be looking at a timeline. That would be like the number one thing to look at. Okay. What's realistic timeline to make this happen? Um, And where are they in regards to their development? Where are they in regards to how life is outside of the gym? Um, Because all those things can have a huge impact. Um, so that's kind of, I want to know where this person is uh, in order to kind of take them to where we want to go. So, you know, if they're, you know, pretty well developed already, then, okay, maybe it's a year timeline or maybe it's a two-year timeline. If they, someone who's maybe, there's some muscle there, but there's a lot of body fat there, you know, maybe it's a two- or three-year timeline. Um, so it just kind of depends on the situation. Um, but I think regardless of kind of whether this person is middle aged or, or even younger in their teens, let's say, or early 20s, mm-hmm. that timeline aspect is the number one decision you have to make because that can change trajectory like crazy. Like if you if you're selling yourself short on time, you have these high expectations. The approach is going to be probably overly aggressive and the end product isn't going to be all that great. Um, whereas if you're giving yourself plenty of time, you know, it's going to be a more serene environment to work in. You're not going to be as stressed. Right. Uh, so that, that first thing is just setting up realistic timelines, setting up realistic expectations. Gotcha. Yeah. So don't necessarily follow what the magazines talk about 20 pounds in 10 weeks. <laughs> it's doable, but I don't, yeah, I don't think you would probably, you'd probably do better if you extended that timeline out twice, twice as long. Yeah. Right. Right. Cool. All right, Jeff, well, thank you for talking to us today. And where can people find more of your stuff? We're at 3dmusclejourney.com, um, uh, 3dmj godfather on, on Instagram, um, and team 3dmj on YouTube. Awesome. All right, well, thanks again.
Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that interview with Jeff Alberts. He's a wealth of knowledge for both the younger and older crowd. If you want to see more interviews like this, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment down below on other topics you'd like to see covered. And if you like the charity that we're donating to today, please feel free to make your own donation as well.